spanning the Valley of the Sun and all across the 48th state. This is the Gatos and Chad Show. Happy, happy, happy Wednesday. It's the Gatos and Chad Show. Chad is off today. He's back tomorrow. My good buddy and my uh, close personal friend, Barry Marks in the center. Hello, Barry. Bye. You get a close personal friend today. That's a, that's special. It is special. I feel like you're going to ask me to do something now. Oh, no. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. No. Uh, just to hang out with me the next couple hours, uh, we're going to get to some of the Penn's own stuff. That is wow. boy, fentanyl creeping into the prison yeah. system, and some of his own deputies are bringing them in, and one guy got canned today, so we're going to discuss that. The FAA shut down all the flights around the entire country, first time since 9-11. We're going to discuss that. But first, let's discuss um, a little bit of the border. Um, so there, I have to play this for you. Uh, if you're, if you're the president of the United States, Joe Biden, he doesn't want you to play this. <laughs> yes, right? It's not good. It's not good. It's cringeworthy, Gato. That's it what is. they call this. Cringeworthy. It's cringeworthy. If you're, if you're a, a Biden person. It, it talks about, um, first of all, let's go over, you know, where, where this comes from. So it seems obviously that the president visited El Paso on Sunday on his way to Mexico to meet with the president there. Okay. So in terms of building walls, right, you know, a lot of people have said, well, Trump tried to build the wall and, and Trump built a you know decent you know amount of wall. A lot of it was improving what Obama had already done. Right. But if you look at past presidents and you want to know how much wall they actually built, okay? I mean, I get different numbers. I see the Bush administration, maybe like 500 miles. I see the Obama-Biden administration. I'm seeing like at least maybe like 400 miles of fencing. Yeah. Trump, 400 miles of wall. And now you have the, this president of the United States, Joe Biden. How much wall did he build? Well, the president of Mexico wants to thank him. President Biden, you are the first president of the United States in a very long time that has not built not even one meter of wall. And that, we thank you for that, sir. Not even one meter of wall. Thank you for doing absolutely nothing on the border. (laughs) Thank you for doing less than nothing on the border. Oh. Isn't like isn't that amazing? Did he you, is being thanked by the president of Mexico for being bad at his job. Thank he, you for stinking up the border. Did he bring him one of those little trophies, like a little uh, a little he trophy for thank you? Uh, it's nice. He should have. It's it has to be. If you're a Biden, if you're a Biden staffer and you're there on that trip, you have to just be. Oh, oh. don't say that. Oh, don't say that. We're we're being so nice, and here you are. You're just killing me. So the spokesperson oh, for the no. president of Mexico. I need to play this again. President Biden. <laughs> You are the first president of the United States in a very long time that has not built not even one meter of wall. No. <laughs> you know, it's the, the crazy, you have to, by the way, that, that's a translator, not the president of Mexico. It's Correct. A, it's a guy. It's a man who's the president of Mexico. Gatos, this is, and the thing is, he's going to build some wall now, right? Kirsten Cinema and Mark Kelly were just down at the border. We'll see. They found some gaps. Well, you're right. We'll see. They found some, there's gaps in the Yuma wall. They said they're, uh, they're excited. They've secured funding to get that wall built, fill those gaps in. So we'll see if it happens. Uh, but yeah, that was not, not a good look for, for Biden. And I, I haven't been able to explain it. It's been two years that he's been in office. 
And I keep saying the same thing. I, I thought there'd be a plan. I, I get he was going to come in and say, we don't like what Trump did with the separating kids from their parents. We don't like some of the policies. And I thought he'd come in and say, we're going to figure out some sort of comprehensive immigration reform. I'm going to put the bully pulpit of the presidency on the line and talk to Republicans and Democrats and try to get something done. And he hasn't done anything. Yeah. And then in the meantime, he's just, I don't want to say he's opened the border, but in the meantime, he's he's not enforcing other laws. He's trying. It's incredible what's going on right now. I think the plan was to do nothing. You think that's it? I do. I do, because you can't be that bad at your job No, to ignore yeah. the border and, oh, it slipped. You know what? I just kind of forgot about it. Or, eh, you know, I had a plan, but I kind of put it on the back burner. No, his plan when he came, went into office was, I am going to do nothing. And and I don't say this lightly, because I've never said this about, uh, uh, like, you know, a lot of people say Democrats are weak on the border. Um, ask Barack Obama. He built more wall than Trump. But in all fairness. Deported more people than Trump. Too. That is true. Yep. In all fairness, you know, the Democrats did everything they could to stop Trump from building a wall. They called him a racist for doing so, and I thought that was wrong. And what I really never say is, you know, it's like a right-wing talking point. Hey, the Democrats just, they, they, they don't care about the border or, or any of that illegal immigration or, or that stuff. Uh, they just opened the border. That's a, that's a far right-wing talking point for many years. This year, it's true. In past years, it hasn't been true. Yeah. This year, it's not a talking point. It's just a fact. The thing I don't understand is just politically... Biden could have come out and said from the beginning, I'm going to here's here's my plan. And maybe it takes a year to put the plan together, Gatos. All right. Maybe it's I mean, it doesn't seem like it should take a year, but let's say it's a year. It's complicated. And he should. Here's my plan. And I'm going to meet with everybody. And, we're gonna, and here's the plan. And then if it doesn't get done, if Republicans refuse to meet with him, I'm saying politically now. Right. At least you have some cover. At least you said, look, we saw this was going to be an issue. Here's our plan. This is how we were going to change the asylum laws. Here's how we we're going to do what we we're going to do with people coming to the country. But the Republicans won't help us. They won't meet. There's no governing. But he didn't even do that. No. He did nothing. It's I, almost I don't get like it. I don't it's get almost it. like when Biden entered office, he said Trump went too far. Yeah. I'm going to do the complete opposite and do nothing. Well, there were so many people on the left who were freaking out when Trump was in office. Look, the, the separating kids from their parents it thing, it, it was ridiculous. And we don't do that as Americans. And that was the bad part. Right. So I'm, I'm glad we're not doing Remain that. in Mexico. That. Helped us. Uh, I agree. Look, Title 42, which Trump did, it, that was really a health, it's a, it's a COVID thing, but it worked. That was smart. And and now, finally, uh, Biden just announced some changes where people coming from Nicaragua and Valenzuela and Cuba uh, uh, and uh, Guatemala, those people can't apply for asylum at our border anymore. Correct. They're, they're being sent back. Haiti, Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, if you show up on our border, you get turned right back around. That should have happened a year ago, eighteen months ago, whatever. I mean that that. But again, these are things that should be read. Now I got to tell you, they're going to get sued. There's going to be immigration advocates who are going to sue the administration, saying you can't do that. That these people are applying at our border pursuant to our law, and you can't do it. Again, that should be part of comprehensive immigration law. We need to change our asylum law to reflect the fact that there are hundreds of thousands of people coming to our border all the time right. for asylum. Right. It's different than it used to be, Gail. You know, if you're in one of those four places, you have to claim asylum from your country of origin. Right. And if you show up at our border, you get turned around. We'll see if that works and if it slows everything down. Well, they just but, they just opened in Cuba. They just reopened the consulate there and beefed it up so they can do that. The president of Mexico literally thanks <laughs> President Biden for not building uh, a single meter of wall in being, two years. And being the only president wow. Wow, to do that. Time for five spot. Oh, all right. We need five of you to call. We're going to put you on the spot about a new story everybody's talking about. Here's today. Uh, call us if you know someone who's been affected by the severe flooding in California. I do. 
Good. I want to hear your story right. because, you know, many of us live in Arizona. We've got family and friends back in California, and we have 17 people dead. There was a kid, a little child that was washed away. There's, there is so much rain there. There was like a 36 inches of rain wow. there since Christmas. So if you know someone, a family member or a friend who's been affected by the severe flooding in California, tell us that story. 602-277-KTAR. Five Spot is next. And Chad. Brought to you by Parker and Sons. Heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. The state dealing with between 400 and 600 percent above average rainfall. And some parts of the state have seen 36 inches of rain since Christmas. There you go. That's what's happening in in California. So we're asking you to call 277-KTAR. Do you have a friend, a family, a relative that's in California and they've been affected by the storm? Tell us their story. They've been affected by the flooding. They've been affected by the the severe weather. 277-KTAR, 602-277-5827. What are they going through? Tell us what's up. Bob in El Mirage first on KTAR. Bob, uh, who do you know out there? Uh, my cousin Aaron, who they have a house on the hill in Costa Mesa, and the problem with it is because of the drainage problem, everything's going into the sewer and it's backing up. And then, lo and behold, they came in one night after shopping, and their sunken-in living room is flooded. Oh gosh! And all of it drained down into the basement, so it ruined their Tesla. It ruined the rooms. It's it's going to be it's going to be a problem for a while to fix it's gonna be a mess there's no doubt 277-KTAR Barry you know somebody uh yeah you know I, I have uh, relatives in California and um uh up in the, the Santa Cruz area which is uh you know somewhat up north and um the, the, I've never seen this before. Their their house is uh, you know somewhat near the beach. I mean, it's 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 not you know right there. And um, they were, I, I saw on the news these pictures of just water just all over the streets there and just craziness. And then he po- he sent us something that he has water in his house, like an inch or two of water. It just flooded into the the bottom level of the house. I mean, it's just crazy, and never happened before. He's never seen something like that before. And it's just there's just water. Like flooding the streets, it just flew into the ocean. It just kind of came. Some of there. the videos just crazy. Yeah, I saw one on Mission Beach. I mean, for you know, a lot of us go to San Diego and stuff. Right, and right. Um, I saw the the ocean water just completely coming all the way up the beach, up to the strand, over the wall, and into somebody's like little beach house uh, patio and stuff. And it's it's uh, even on Coronado, I saw stuff where the water's just way past where it ever goes and onto the uh, you know into where the buildings are. It's it's a it's a it's it, you know you talk about the hundred year storm. This is it. This I mean, is it. Yeah, it's crazy. Gabe in Phoenix. Uh, who do you know in California, and how have they been affected by the weather? Hi, my son Zach is uh, based at Beale Air Force Base in Northern California by Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came home for Christmas and uh, rented the U-Haul to take all of his stuff up there, because that's where he's stationed now. And it's usually a 12-hour drive. It took him 23 hours to get home, because when they got within three hours of the base, the roads were flooded, so they have to backtrack them a couple of hours to try another road, and it was flooded. It happened like four times, and then they finally came in. They they got in the next morning. They left at nine in the morning here in Arizona, and didn't get there till nine in the morning in California. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Cindy in Mesa is next. Cindy, who do you know in California, and how are they being affected? 
Uh, my daughter, Brianna, they live in an RV in um, Ventura. Her husband travels for work, so they travel around and they got evacuated. And the whole park is uh, totally flooded. It's closed for four months, and now they're, they don't have anywhere to go in their RV. Oh, gosh. All the parks are full, and yeah, it's, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah, that is a mess. So, um, 17, they were searching for a boy. Yeah, a five-year-old boy. They're still searching. Again today, search teams are looking for five-year-old Kyle Doan. Washed away from his mother while stuck in floodwaters in their pickup truck on Monday as heavy rains came down. The family is holding out hope Kyle is somehow alive. Search teams using poles are poking into mud in a river that they believe he may have been carried into. The only sign of Kyle so far, one of his shoes. Alex Stone, EBC News. Awful. Yeah, I mean, this, this, the sad, you know, what's going on here, the, the amount of property damage, Gatos, and obviously lives lost is just incredible. You know, but you, you want to find a, a bright spot here. California has been in drought conditions for years now. Right. So you look at this and say, all right, 36 inches of rain in some areas, a ton of water. How does this help the drought stuff? And it'll be some help, don't get me wrong, but the, the ground there, everything's so dry. The ground can't absorb the the water the well, rain we know that enough. here yeah it doesn't you know you sit there and go well this is great well, this will fill up groundwater this will now there's gonna it's gonna help I mean there's gonna fill up aquifers and other things but um, it's you'd hope to say well hey it's one big shot let's just get it all at once four hundred to six hundred percent wow above average rainfall in California thanks everybody for the calls on five spot coming up next uh, why did the FAA ground all planes today you know they haven't done that since nine eleven. We're starting to find out exactly what happened. Was it just simply a mistake? Next. KTAR News, 92.3 FM. You're locked in to the Gatos and Chad Show. All right, crazy morning. Why did the FAA ground all planes today? So when's the last time they did that? 9-11. Gatos went straight to the terrorism. I did, in my head, just because I, I read the first line of an yeah. article, the FAA has grounded all planes today, and I thought I thought right back to 9-11. Obviously, today was there was no terrorist attack, so what happened? Let's ask an expert. John Nance is joining us, aviation analyst for ABC World News. John, what happened today? Well, what happened is we got uh, hit by a little bit of antiquated technology. Uh, you know, about 35 years ago, there was a debate going on of whether we were getting too dependent on uh, automation. That debate has long since been made moot by the fact that we are inextricably intertwined with all sorts of computer systems, and it's hard to keep them updated. But this one, this is kind of a neural network for all of uh, aviation in terms of all the things that you need to know about where you're going, how you're going to, what you're going to find en route, and even your departure airports. And to have have that you start putting out bad information, which is what happened after this mistaken uh, glitch. In other words, uh, after a human error, to have bad information is very dangerous. And so I think they did the right thing. But basically, we've got a system that grew like Topsy, and it should have been upgraded to a greater extent than it has been. Huh. John Nance was with us, uh, an aviation consultant with ABC News. Uh, John, John, let me ask you, a similar report out of Canada today, um, it, it seems like an awfully large coincidence for both of those things to happen, very similar uh, software that breaks down. It, does that indicate to you that it's it's more than just software breaking, that there may have been an attack, or, or, or do you, can we tell? 
I haven't picked up anything that uh, that seems to indicate an attack. I agree with you. That's very strange that uh, Canada would have a problem, too. I don't know if there's any way that they're related. But uh, if there's anything here that's purposeful, we, we haven't seen any indication of it yet. And by the way, the, the explanations that are being given by uh, uh, B. Buttigieg and, uh, and eventually by FAA, I think, in public, uh, are more than logical, given the, uh, uh, the system they had and the way it cascaded. I was going to ask you if you have any idea how long, and I know they're investigating, but how long an investigation like this may take to determine the cause of this breakdown? Well, one of the things you got to remember, and it's tough sometimes in a situation like this where there's been such disruption and, quite frankly, loss of money and time, uh, they've got to take a look at this like the NTSB does uh, without worrying about blame. The main idea is to get all the different elements of what happened, including failure to upgrade over time, and figure out how to make sure that never happens again and that if we need new equipment, and they do, uh, that it be put in place rapidly. But this has been this has been a patchwork quilt, guys, for a long time. They've right. been adding a computer here, adding a computer system there. And so when it started failing, it, it really did cascade. That's the proper term. Uh, John Nance is joining us, aviation analyst for ABC World News. So, you know, you get like the everyday passenger like Barry or myself and, you know, you go through the Southwest debacle and then we've got yeah. this uh, and flights get, you know, delayed or canceled. And now you've got irate passengers experiencing hours long delays. And it's again, you know, maybe uh, the system needed to be upgraded. I mean, you know, the airlines, at least one, the aviation administration, they're taking everybody off, and that's kind of how I look at it. I'm not a very patient man. I think everybody that goes to the airport not very patient either. So, like, what do you say? You know, it's it's almost like when now when I go to the airport, I'm like, well, how long is this going to take? Yeah, I almost feel religious. You want to say patience, my son, patience. Right. But, uh, I, I know what you mean. There's very little of it. And uh, I, I guess the thing we got to focus on, and it's not a perfect panacea by any means, but to put it in some degree of perspective, okay. we have about 32,000 commercial flights over the United States every day when everything goes as planned. And not only did we lose about 20% of them in terms of time delay today with a lot of cancellations, but the disruption got people to thinking in terms of why isn't it perfect, but it's amazing what we do get right all the time. Mm. As a matter of fact, if you've noticed, we haven't had a major airline accident uh, in the United States, North America, um, for about 12 years. I'm not counting the uh, Asiana accident in San Francisco, which was a foreign crew with an American airplane, but even if you did, that's nine years. Yeah. I can remember the time real clearly when I joined ABC. We had a major accident practically every three or four months, and uh, we have come light years. But I know it's hard when you're in the middle of trying to start out a problem. I need to be in, you know, Phoenix tomorrow morning. I can't get there, uh, and uh, I'm very upset and frustrated. It's hard to remember that you're really looking at a system that operates with almost perfect precision uh, uh, about a hundred, about ninety-nine percent of the time. Aviation consultant uh, John Nance uh, from ABC News is with us on KTAR. John, I, I know not that long ago this was uh, what I'll call more of a manual system. Pilots called in to, to check on anything unusual as they approached. Is it possible when, it go, when the software goes down like this to go back to that system so that we don't have a total shutdown of, of all air travel? 
You know, it would be if it were as simple as it was in the old days, like even the late 60s. Uh, you had very few stations really reporting an awful lot of stuff. Now, the cascade is just amazing. Or not maybe the cascade, I shouldn't use that word again. But the, the, the situation is that there is so much information that is vital to the operation that uh, I don't think you could go back to any manual system. You could go to a situation where you called ahead and they got a verbal debriefing, which we used to do many years ago. Um, but even that's going to take, uh, it's going to give you only about 10 to 20 percent of all the information that comes across the system. Very interesting. John Nance, aviation analyst, ABC World News. Thanks for the info, John. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. Always good, always good to be with you. Well, there you have it. Uh, we've got to we've got to do some upgrading here. Southwest has to do some upgrading. The FAA has to do some upgrading. Uh, it's it's time because it's years, it's decades of the same system. Yeah, and and you need to upgrade it. And you know, back to the irate passengers. I mean, John makes a great point. Planes aren't falling out of the sky. No, it's the safest way to go. It, it has been for a long yeah. time, but we don't we don't recognize that. John was trying to tell us to recognize that, but me. I want to get from point A to point B <laughs> well, we, as quickly as possible with no delays and and, 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 and and no bad person sitting next to me, you know, chewing my ear off. He's right, though. If, if you think about it, it's it's been we take it for granted that airline travel is it has been as safe as it's been, has been generally as on time as it's been and right. reliable as been. So when something bad happens like we had over the holidays and now this, we're like, what's going on? This is ridiculous. And it, it's uh, but it, overall, we're, we're pretty good. All right. Coming up next, Maricopa County Sheriff Paul Penzone is Ticked. Uh oh. He is not happy and he spoke his mind today. And we'll tell you why. And you hear a little bit of it next. KTAR News 923 FM. You're locked in to the Gatos and Chad Show. We've had in 2022, 172 inmates were taken to the hospital through correctional health services because of drug-related overdose incidents. 17 of the in-custody deaths that were the result of overdose of drugs were a major contributing factor. 194 inmates were tested, and they tested positive through urinalysis for some type of drug. And of that 194, 114 inmates tested positive for fentanyl. All right, this Maricopa County Sheriff Paul Penzone earlier today, uh, Barry's in for a chat. You and I heard that uh, he was having kind of an impromptu press conference, and no one knew what the press conference was about. And you and I looked at each other and said, well, it's got to be something big. Penzone doesn't get up in front of the media unless it's something big. He's not Joe Arpaio. He doesn't seek that out. Uh, So what we're finding out today is we all knew that there was a problem in the jails with fentanyl, with meth, with drugs, and my question was always, how do you get it in? How do you sneak in fentanyl? How do you smuggle it in? And so Penzone today said... Now we know. Yeah, he arrested a detention officer. Not less than 10 minutes ago, we arrested a detention officer. This was an ongoing investigation. This detention officer who was hired in October of 2019 recently worked with inmates and some folks on the outside and attempted to bring fentanyl and methamphetamine into the jail. We know through the evidence in the investigation, and we have strong reason to believe this was his first attempt. Uh, exceptional work by our investigators put them in a position to intercept him before he brought the ger- drugs into the jail. Um, the, ger- uh, the drugs have been tested and tested positive for both methamphetamine and fentanyl, the estimated pill count is probably close to about 100 pills. All right. So I know some detention officers and, um, you know, they work so hard. It's a dangerous job. They've got to work with the worst of the worst. 
Uh, and then this one guy, who's apparently some young guy who is a, a detention officer, he gives everybody else who's a detention officer a bad name. Yeah, and, it, you know, 100 pills, you, you, what Panzone said today during the press conference is it's been a, a growing problem in the jail. I mean, you wonder, is he the only one bringing drugs in? Were He's probably not, unfortunately. And, and that's what we're trying to figure out. I'm sure the sheriff's trying to figure out right now. But but um, but you're right, Gatos. I mean, these guys work hard. They don't make a ton of money. Uh, and they're there serving us and, and uh, as a community. Um and, and you don't want this to tarnish him because 99% of them are great people right. and honest and doing the right thing. Right. This guy, I mean, what a crazy mistake. A young person. And, and you know, from what I think what Penzone said is he, he got paid a thousand dollars. I mean, thousand bucks. Not that a thousand dollars isn't a lot of money, but when you have a job, you have a career, you have benefits. That's an awful, awful lot to give up. Not to mention going to prison. For a thousand dollars, you gave everything up for a thousand dollars. Now maybe he did it more than once. I don't know, but that that seems ridiculous. So how me. do you stop the smuggling? Well, Penzone's got an idea. Right? I can't exist as the head of an office knowing that we aren't doing everything reasonable and humanly possible to ensure that drugs aren't coming into our jails. I have spoken to my colleagues over at the county. This, this conversation's been going on for a little while, but I am at a stage now where I think it's not only important but appropriate that we purchase scanning machines so that every individual who enters, enters our jail, whether it be staff, volunteers, um, anybody and everyone who enters into the secured population will be checked to determine if we can mitigate and intercept any potential contraband coming into the jail. So anyone who enters the jail has got to go basically through a TSA checkpoint now. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's going to be like. I'm kind of surprised that hasn't been the case already. I would think that that, have, that, was, that would already well, possibly be in place. But. But, but you'd like to think the people that are working at the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office and at the jail are honest. And, and again, 99 I'm sure even more percent of them oh, are, yeah. um, but they never, you know, I'm sure there's a point where they're like, this would never happen. You just don't even think of it as a possibility. Uh, and yet there we are. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, look, this guy hasn't been convicted yet. I mean, he's got his, he gets to have his day in court. Um, but I'm assuming it's a pretty strong case based on the fact that they arrested him and did a press conference. It, it, it's sad, Gatos. I mean, look, this, it's not just sheriff. This happens in everybody's, you know, thing. There's people who bring drugs in every office. Right. It just happens. But, um, my goodness. And, and the, you know, you hope now do other, uh, officers and other people who work there, are they offended that they have to walk through security now, that they're going to get screened? That's what Penzone was talking about yeah. as well. A lot of employees will feel like this is a trust issue, that, that I'm questioning whether they can be trusted. That is not at all the case, but we live in a society where humans are flawed and failed, and we uh, see good people do bad things, and bad things happen. And if we truly want to be a drug-free, safe jail system, we have to take every step possible, and that means demanding that our employees become comfortable with the idea that we should be checking them as they enter to as well as everyone else but here's the thing aren't drugs still going to get some how are drugs still going to get into the jails because there are different places around the nation that have this already set up where you get checked before you go in and there's still a fentanyl problem in jail there's still a meth problem in jail how are these drugs getting in there even if they're going to check you before you walk in I don't know the answer. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how they get around it, but it's uh, he's right. He has he can't have drugs coming into that jail at least as regularly as they have been. Yeah, we got the five o'clock. KTA, yeah. our news expansion. Stick around. It's coming up next.